If you're an Android user and you need a new app to listen to your podcasts, go to the Google Play Store and look for the Podcast Republic app. There's a million great features, but even better, there's thousands of great reviews from people who use that app on a regular basis, so you don't have to take my word for it. You can trust the voices of many. Once again, that's the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the mega podcasting powers, and joining me for this quarantine podcast is a man who probably would bail quickly if a volcano was erupting, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. Yeah, I've seen enough movies to know that, like, the hunky hero who says we all should leave, like, whatever group has the least amount of people, that's where I'm going. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, higher odds. Mm-hmm. But also, like, if if it's, like, movie world where secret, like, you know, that's the group that's going to survive. Like, this is the group of, the large group is full of faceless, nameless people that can get right, wiped right. out real easily. Right, exactly. This is the final Irwin Allen disaster movie. We've talked about the Poseidon Adventure, I don't know how many times on this podcast, and... Also a great potential for the uh, DeLorean going too far back. Right. Uh, We only get to do that every four years, so I wanted an excuse to talk about the big disaster movie of the 70s. And luckily for us, the last big disaster movie of the 70s came out in 1980, and people basically were like, we don't want this anymore, you can keep them. Yeah. Um, His other famous one was the Towering Inferno. So Poseidon was 72, Towering Inferno is 74. Did you ever see Towering Inferno? I have not. So I was always very curious about it because I I kind of, because I like the Poseidon Adventure, I kind of misunderstood that maybe I like these disaster type movies. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think that's not necessarily true. Like, I think I like parts of them. Like, would but, you, but would you put like Twister in this category? I'm speaking very specifically about 70s, 70s style. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like big cast of very famous people. Uh, whereas like Twister has uh, Bill... Paxton and Helen um, Holly. God, I can't believe we've just walked into this trap. You said it so delicately for me. But like most of the roster of Twister is character actors. You got Philip Seymour Hoffman, who later became more of a, a A-level actor, yeah. but like at the time was a character guy. And it's mostly like a It's Mrs. Incredible, right? People. Isn't it Mrs. Incredible in Twister? Is it? I thought it was... Uh, yeah, it's Helen Hunt. It's not Holly Hunter. Okay. Yeah, I was like, I swear it's Helen Hunt in that one. Anyway. Wow, there's a Twister. Wow. <laughs> Another podcast I uh, I listen to often does impressions of her and like Holly Hunter and uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Gar- no, Gary Busey. Like kind of. OK. Kind of are in the same like Venn diagram. And so they're they always joke that like they're they do a Holly Hunter and then suddenly it's it's a uh, it's a uh, Gary Busey. I like that. So I was like, oh, I really like the Poseidon Adventure. Maybe I just like this kind of movie. And I watched a Towering Inferno, which I believe pushes three hours in runtime. And it was a brutal watch. What is the disaster in that one? Another volcano? No, it's an office building that catches on fire. Oh. So when was Uh, Earthquake? Was that the 80s? Earthquake was also 1974, but it was not this guy. But it was – but Earthquake was – part of the 70s disaster movie yes for sure for sure uh towering inferno is 165 minutes so just shy of too long but the reason i was intrigued is because you've got in that one paul newman and steve mcqueen Mm -hmm. 
Faye Dunaway, Fred Astaire, O.J. Simpson, Robert Vaughn, and Robert Wagner. It's a wild cast. Did Fre- Was there a sequence where, like, there was flames on the floor in weird patterns and Fred Astaire had to dance across because he was the only one nimble-footed enough? I don't remember, but that probably should be like in that, there if it wasn't. Because this movie is just the Poseidon. We should probably say, I should probably do my thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's We're getting so deep into the woods. We watched... When time ran out. So you know what that means. It's your ripoff of the Poseidon adventure. Something's got to be done about your ripoff of the Poseidon adventure. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 8880s. So Earthquake is 1974. All of those are the same. This is that same era. And, and so that, that was the other thing I wanted to bring up. I'm glad you brought up Earthquake because I think a lot of the reason that I have a fondness for this. and the Universal reason, Studios? Well, Yes, it's like also the reason I think that you liked uh, Poseidon Adventure as much as I did when we watched it is because at the time you had been to Universal and you have like a fondness for it because the sets in these movies are very much like original Universal Studios attractions. I wrote that note like four times. There's a, a point, like there's a tidal wave in this movie and the tidal wave hasn't even hit yet. Like it's the earth is just rumbling and all of a sudden like this box, this random box on the street just bursts a flame out of it and i was Uh like that why that doesn't make any sense and then like rubble falls and like water starts spraying i was like this just looks like a a, a, an attraction right yeah this movie is extremely extremely tied to the first uh iteration of universal studios which is like the jaws ride earthquake um king kong wasn't earthquake called something else first or did it become something else Earthquake became disaster dot 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 a major a major motion picture starring you where they like slightly changed like the ride didn't change but they changed all the pre-show bits. Yeah, they like didn't want to feel like paying for Earthquake anymore, I guess. Or it was just like no one knows this movie from 1974. It's the year 2000 and something and we just can't possibly keep doing this. I I I so like I feel like there's an alternate universe where it was a Poseidon adventure ride, not an earthquake ride. And that is a universe I'm very curious to see. Oh, for sure. I just don't think they had the ability to do this. Like, they could do more with Earthquake in terms of you get some fire, you get some falling stuff, you get some water, whatever. Um, the the modern technology to do the thing where the boat turns over would be really rad. Yeah. It would have been really hard, I think. Or even if like you just enter the ballroom sequence and the whole, like the, you, your car, the tram car you're in, like can slide down and all the tables can start sliding towards you. Right. Right. Yeah. Or even just like a walkthrough where it was like an upside down ballroom. Oh my God. Yeah. Cool. They had like all the tables hung on the, on the ceiling and they had uh, upside down chandeliers and stuff. Yeah. God, if only. <laughs> so disaster ran, or Earthquake ran until 2007 from 1990, and then they closed the disaster version of it in 2015 for that uh, god-awful Fast and Furious it's thing. It's so bad. I so, don't know if we talked to... 
I don't know if we talked about that at all during our podcast of. Well, I mean, I was, I was about to say, should we talk? Should we speak so freely about how much we dislike that attraction, considering how kind they were to us? I mean, I don't think it's. I don't like. First of all, integrity is important. Yeah. It's okay to say that something isn't good if you've been comped, and that ride is not good. I, I don't need to sit here and clown on it for twenty minutes, but it's not good. It's a bad ride. Yeah, it's it's basically the King Kong ride with cars instead, and the King Kong ride is better. Yeah, it is. I uh, mean, the, also the current iteration of King Kong, not Kongfrontation, which will always be the right. best. Right. Apparently, um, Earthquake still runs at Universal Hollywood. Oh, like is it part of the tram tour? Because I know Jaws is part of their tram tour. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, and Jaws is still in Japan. Yes. So anyway, I thought I had a soft spot for these. I watched The Towering Inferno because I'm like, that cast I just read off to you is ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, this is unwatchable. It's so it's so long. So I was afraid of that with When Time Ran Out because it says that it's two hours long. But the version that is easily accessible, which is on Vudu for free with commercials, is like one hour 50 minutes, which is about the top end you want for this. And it's and it's double stacked on each end, so it's probably more like hour forty. Yeah, for sure. Long opening credits, long middle, and there's a sequence which we will get to that you can definitely fast forward to to get this much closer to ninety minutes. Yeah, um, it's funny. Like the towering inferno sounds like a volcano movie, and like when time ran out, I would have thought would have been like an earthquake or something. I honestly had, based on the title, assumed it was a nuclear meltdown situation. Oh yeah. Because that would be something where there was, or or a, a tidal wave, like something. There are some the hurricane, maybe of like a natural disaster where like you know when it's coming roughly and you have time to prepare. Mm-hmm. Versus a volcano exploding, which I think there's some warning systems now, but not you know proper warning. I'm trying to think. When was the last major volcanic eruption? I don't know if the thing that happened in Hawaii in 2019 was a volcano eruption technically, but that was, I mean, that lava flow certainly is related to a volcano. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So there's an ellipsis in the title of this movie, which automatically, it makes it hilarious. um, Because ellipsis just makes me feel like something is being passive aggressive. Right, right. Um, And it also stars the original Penguin and Ernest Borgnine of The Poseidon Adventure. Among like who does who uh, does not get nearly enough to do in this movie and the Dirty Dozen and many other movies. I don't want to cut you off. I'm sorry. Well, so there's a, also a lot of other, like Paul Newman of your mom's favorite salad dressing, like also in this movie. Okay, and like twenty truly great American films. Yeah, but most people today know him as the salad dressing guy. Okay, well that's disappointing. They should all go watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and maybe Cool Hand Luke. Also, Jacqueline Bissett, William Holden, who was in several of these things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, many things in addition to that, but also, like, uh, a bunch of these. Uh, Red Buttons. Oh, yeah, Red Buttons from Pete's Dragon. Yeah, yeah, among other things. People out there probably find it really horrifying what we know things from. Yeah, he's Hoagie in Pete's Dragon. Oh, yeah, he is Hoagie in Pete's Dragon. That movie is over two hours long. That's my fun fact I always tell people. The remake is shorter. And, like, that's a fun world to live in, where the remake of Pete's Dragon is significantly shorter than the original. Right, especially in an era where every movie is two and a half hours long. And we're meandering a little bit in the conversation of this, but that's okay, because this movie is a little meandering itself. Yeah, um, it's it's a, ba- a classic case of too many characters and not enough, you know, attention on each of them. So it's... Right. They're all kind of muddy together, because everyone's dressed pretty similarly. 
Like all the right. If they're in the same age bracket, you're all dressed pretty similarly. Is basically what I'm yes. figuring out. A lot of earth tones it's in also, the twenty thirty somethings. It's also really soapy. Like it's very soap opera yeah. storytelling, and I think that's true of Poseidon Adventure, and it's definitely true of Towering Inferno. So I don't know if that's just blanket for Irwin Allen, and I am not going to watch every one of his movies to suss that out, but. Certainly, that seems to be a hallmark of the storytelling and probably a factor of the reason why, one, they're super duper long and two, there's so many characters in them. Yeah, I think so. So uh, we start on an airplane and there is a proposal and this old man is proposing to a fairly young woman and she's like, er, uh, she asks if he knows what the problem is. And I'm like, it's very obvious. The problem is that he's 185 years old. (laughs) I thought it was going to be that he's her boss. Oh, yeah, that would that would also be part of it. But it's neither. But, it's that she has a husband. Yes. <laughs> or no, she's interested in someone else. Yes. Yeah, Paul Newman's character. Exactly. Right. There's also uh, a really great have, walking yeah. on a volcano shot, or like right before the plane. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which I'm sure is something that was done because it was 1979 and no one gave a shit about the environment or any impact of walking on things that maybe shouldn't be walked on these days. You, you until the eruption could walk pretty close to the flowing lava in Hawaii if you were with a guide. Oh, really? Yeah, hmm. that was something I was looking forward to doing when I went to the Big Island a couple of years ago. And on, well, we knew we weren't going to be able to do it, but uh, it was something I would have wanted to do. Okay, I didn't know that. I thought it was like a yeah. coral reef situation. No, because once lava flows, it hardens to like granite i mean i'm sure if you measured the actual hardness of the rock i'm not getting into the Mohs scale yes i remember that from geology but it's i mean you could walk on old lava no problem it's just like rock oh okay it's not it's not the reason why you can't it's not so such coral is because it's like fragile and, and coral is alive and stuff right right rock the granite is or, sorry lava flow is just rock and actually it's kind of cool there's parts of Hawaii Volcanoes National Park where the old road has been consumed by lava and you can still see stretches of road where like the flow just happened to stop and so there's a bunch of places you can get out and stand on the road and see like the lava flow stopped right here and that's I'm really on a cool. road with yeah yeah it was reminded me of Centralia but with lava oh huh that's rad yeah um so yeah, I don't know, uh, to, to answer your question, I don't know if it's true or not that it would have been you know something you could do, but I know there are places where it is safe to do. Okay. So. Um, so this movie likes to sort of throw you in media res for yes. a couple storylines, and then other storylines be very like, this is the beginning, this is each step along the way. And I'm just like, we need the whole movie. I need a lot more of this. Well, the other one I find really interesting and jumping ahead a little bit here is, you know, we meet Burgess Meredith and it's very obvious his wife is in recovery from cancer or is dealing with cancer currently, but they don't ever say that. No, not at all. They don't even say, oh, she's been sick or she is sick. She's got, you know, headscarf on and he's making her take all these pills and stuff. And uh, it's for, the, the two of them are really sweet. I actually think they're some of the best part of this movie. Yeah. Well, I thought Burgess. So I thought that she was going to be Shelley Winters. And instead, he okay. is Shelley Winters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that, too, because I have some some things. <laughs> that scene drives me crazy, and I, I it, we'll get there. Um, we'll circle back for now, though, to this absolutely delightful 70s lab. And this is the scene more than any other that I was like, oh, this is a Universal Studios set circa 1990, you know, 1992, yes. whatever. 
it looks so and I've joked with you about I, I've been I was at a museum somewhere and I texted you a picture of they had a portion of the museum set up to replicate what it looked like at, in this country at this time. And so I'm walking through it and I'm like, man, I have the weirdest sense of deja vu in a place I've never been. And I finally realized it, oh, it just looks like. No, it was I was I was thinking it was like confrontation with like the fake, you know, New York oh, yeah, and, yeah. and stuff. But I just remember sending you a picture to you and mom and being, oh my gosh, this is basically Universal Studios set. It's so weird. It's it's a very specific thing. And to try to explain it, because I that is not a universal reference, pardon the pun. Um, they're sets that are built in order that people who are visiting them in a theme park know that it's a movie set. So it's a sort of bigger, broader generalization of something in order for it to be recognizable and real. It's to the you. caricature version. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Thank you. So these sets often are caricatures of sets, right? Like from a science lab standpoint, this is a caricature of a science lab. Yeah, it's very it's a lot of a lot of beeps and boops and buttons and Uh-huh. Just rows of lights that randomly are blinking. Cuz why not? Um it reminds me of in I can't remember if it's Space Mountain or Spaceship Earth when you like go through NASA or like That's Space Mountain. Okay. Or is it, which one has well, the oh, hidden figure? Oh, the, 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 the African-American scientist? Yeah. That is, that is uh, Spaceship Earth. Yeah, if you if you – okay. If you need a reference and you don't want to watch this movie, if you Google black scientist Spaceship Earth, you'll get a picture of this very sharply dressed woman doing calculations and standing in front of what looks exactly like this movie. Yes. Um so there, yeah, there. That's where there. It's sort of like seven different things happening. We have the the scientists monitoring the volcano, people at the hotel where some event is is hap- It seems like there's an event happening at the hotel that I thought it was grand opening sort of deal. May again, the movie didn't quite. They don't. Yeah, <laughs> a the banner didn't tell us that a banner yeah. would have been lovely. That we don't have to right, write right. dialogue. Like, come on. Um, then all of a sudden. After you learn those two things, like, okay, there's a volcano in a gala. Got it. I'm here. All of a sudden, we're mining for oil for some reason. Yeah, there's this huge oil derrick, and then Paul Newman walks on screen, and, you know, my heart's all a flutter. But I'm very confused as to why he's doing a job that's so dirty, because we that's not where his thing lies. No. It's not That's not where we want Paul Newman. And he's almost killed by this exploding oil rig. And I was kind of, for a second going, oh my gosh, did they scream Paul Newman? Is that like, what's going on here? Because the Towering Inferno, every, like most of the people die, you know? Like, oh, really? Part of the reason, and same with same with Poseidon Adventure, like part of the reason they get these huge cast of celebrities is because they kill them and they are able to, like it's more meaningful because people know the celebrity as opposed to faceless goon number seven. To this day, it still annoys me in Poseidon Adventure that Shelley Winters dies and that squawking young girl lives. <laughs> I'm like, how dare you? How dare you, movie? But so this oil rig is spraying oil. They've struck oil. They run to get this valve in place, and they get it there. And you know, they're all covered in oil. And I'm I'm watching this, and I can't stop thinking, what do you think they were actually getting sprayed with? Oh, my note was, how is being covered in that much raw oil not incredibly dangerous? Right. I. It I mean, ha- in the even, real world. Even, yeah. Oh, for sure. It, you would need to hose that off of you. I'm sure it's not like instant contact problem, but that's the kind of thing that then you have cancer and they're like, gee, I wonder why. Well, he was constantly covered in oil spewing out of the earth. But from an actor's standpoint, 
It probably wasn't actual oil. Was it like fake blood corn syrup? Do you have uh, do you have a guess? Because I so could not it didn't. Tell. So corn syrup blood tends to pool in a very specific way. Like it, yeah. it, it when you spray it, when you like glop it on a, on skin, it, it instantly pulls together and like you get weird like gaps in it. And uh-huh. this didn't really have that. Like everyone was covered in it. It it looked like they were covered in oil, but I don't think I've ever seen someone actually covered in oil i've seen animals covered in oil after a spill well i wonder if it was like a like something obviously something dyed black maybe like lube like lube dyed black yeah or just vegetable oil or something yeah it'll just like sit on them yeah because it it was pretty opaque it doesn't look it doesn't look like translucent it's it's pretty opaque Right, right. I couldn't stop. It was the only thing I could think about for like five minutes. The movie continues on, and I'm like, okay, but what were they spraying those actors with? If anyone, if anyone knows anyone in Hollywood or in movie making who would know, tweet at us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we go right from this to this gorgeous matte painting of the volcano. Oh, Just there's really so lovely. many matte paintings in this movie. Yeah, really, really lovely. Uh, and while I like a good modern CGI fake background, it is it is something to be said for these matte paintings. They are really lovely looking. Yeah. So the, we also I'm, I'm trying to like it's hard to go in order because the movie jumps all over the place. It's it's an extreme. It's basically they had a dice and each number on the die was was an actor, and so they would roll, and that's whose scene was next. So yeah. it's like. Six, that's a Paul Newman. Four, oh, time for Burgess Meredith. And Burgess Meredith is checking into the hotel. And the hotelier, who's basically supposed to be Conrad Hilton, is going, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. I knew you as a high wire act. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to rank Yeah, I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, Shirley Winters was a swimmer. Uh-huh. Um, um, a million years ago, and I, I think he's a turd now. I don't know. But Adam, I think it was Adam Carolla was on this podcast like way in the early days of podcasting talking about this idea for a movie he had where terrorists take over the olympic village and they get a ragtag crew of olympians in his version it was probably all americans but i think it's cooler if it's just all different countries and there's like a language barrier that's being overcome but each of them has a specific olympic skill that would be useful in getting around and past the bad guys i love i think i've heard you told me about this before he's like the shot put guy finally can Yes, exactly. Simone Biles has to do a perfect oh you know, my God. vault Simone to get over Bi- a laser. Oh, can we yeah. just? <laughs> yes, uh, but you know, there's uh, you know they, they have, have to get where... to the American basketball team's ship that's offshore and away from everybody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we could just get to their <laughs> ship, we can all escape. Yeah, we can all get out of here. Yeah, you know, you, you got a hammer throw person has to you know get a length of chain and throw a thing. It just feels like such an obvious, easy, stupid, great movie that could be done. And in a current Hollywood accounting, it's like. You got a huge international cast, which means you get money from these various countries. Mm-hmm. It it just seems like a no brainer. You can put some love triangles in there because everybody's fucking everybody at the Olympic uh, Village. It just seems like a very no brainer movie. Although, do, do Olympic athletes have sponsors? But do they have like agents? What do you mean? Like I was trying to think. Like I was like, oh, all the agents would be clamoring to get their athlete in to be like, hey, there's only there'd be two oh, American athletes featured. I don't want it to really be the athletes. Oh, you don't I want, want a space it to jam? be actors. You don't want a space jam? No, you you can give me one or two, and then they die. But I want actors to be acting in the acting movie. <laughs> okay. Well, I you said I, Simone Biles, and I was like, oh, no, now I just want to see Simone her Biles, actually do things. 
Simone Miles is the perfect stunt cast to me. She does two or three really rad stunts, and then she dies. <laughs> she sacrifices herself so that others can live. Would be the perfect role for her character. She's the Gene uh, Hackman, Shelley Winters. <laughs> exactly. Please do not interpret this as me wishing death on America's treasure, Simone Biles. I'm talking about a fictionalized Simone Biles in <laughs> this movie, which is called, I think, Going for the Gold, because it's the double name of the terrorists are coming to steal the medals. And oh, the really? The, I feel like metal. I feel like stealing medals is like a real low bar. Like, here's here's the wrinkle for this year as a special incentive. The host country, in a way of like flexing, has decided to make all the medals actually the medals. So they're for the first time ever worth a ton of money. Wait, are this they just plated? Head. Yeah. Oh, okay. I never thought yeah. about. I never think about Olympic medals. There's a there's a fairly famous Olympian who. Uh, would tour with his medals all the time, and he let people touch them because he doesn't. He's like, yeah, touch it, and he's he, his gold medal isn't wasn't gold anymore because so many people touched it. Yeah, had to get redipped. Yeah. Oh, that's a fun. That's okay. I, that, that's that's the wrinkles. The host country is like flexing, and they're like, oh, we're we're gonna make it uh, this year. The first time ever, the gold medal is actually six ounces of pure gold, and the bronze medal is six ounces of pure bronze, the silver silver medal, and then this terrorist cell wants to steal the medals. I'm into that. And this gets you a cool shot at the beginning of the movie where there's the Brinks truck with the medals in it and they're loading them up and putting them in for safekeeping that's the, in the special that's, vault. That's the credits, the opening credits. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And then athletes training is the other so like cut together. With the are, the terrorist ath- is, are the terrorists posing as a group of athletes? I think they probably need to be like maybe their media from a country so that gets them they can bring their camera bags in and their bulky equipment the camera is like a drills. gun hidden inside okay plus plus drilling equipment to get through the vaults okay yeah i'm into this so i think they're i think they're fake media uh which means like the conservative people who hate the media are all in for the media being terrorists like you're checking that box mm-hmm. i just feel like i feel like this movie is a guaranteed 400 billion dollars i probably just, i feel like it's guaranteed 400 million dollar well especially because you're gonna put john cena they're gonna put john cena in it because he's an I'm athletic fine actor with that and john he, cena should be the shot put guy yeah i i saw john cena in the trailer for fast and furious 9 and i was like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like wait he hasn't been in these movies already yeah exactly charlie's there what are you doing there. here the the rock is definitely not a one trainer. of the athletes because he's too old. Yes, exactly. He's like a weightlifting guy. He, he you know he probably wouldn't do it because he's too big of a name. But he needs to make a hero sacrifice for sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm real. Schwarzenegger cameo as just like a special guest who gets a judge. kidnapped. He would be a judge, but I I just he needs to be in there. Yeah, you know? I agree. I'll yeah. You throw in some of these old action guys, let them get kidnapped. It's part of it. Mm-hmm. The terrorists are here! <laughs> oh no! You know, yeah, he's he's doing like a hostage video. And they have him, they have him like at gunpoint. He can say "Get to the chopper." Yeah, or yes, the bridge yes. is out. Like I feel like he has to say yeah. one of his lines. <laughs> yes, yes, he definitely does. But I feel like this is like I I'm making up this as we go, and it is a, like I realize I'm piggybacking off of Adam Carolla's idea, but it is such an obvious no brainer for a blockbuster film. Yeah, I don't understand. It's no stupider than Skyscraper. Like this idea is objectively at least on par with that, and that got a two hundred million dollar budget. Yeah, exactly. It did, and that I did. You saw that movie, right? Yeah. I have not. It's it's, <laughs> it's is it watchable? It's 
it's very stupid, but yeah, I mean, so the problem uh, that's okay. This <laughs> we're gonna get back on track right now. I'm I'm, so, I'm, I'm just genuinely enjoying this pitch session. No, yeah, I, I'm steering us back towards on track here. The, the 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 beef that I have with the disaster – there's two two beefs I have with modern disaster movies. One is, to borrow the phrase from other people, every one of them is 75 9-11s. Like the scale of the discre- destruction is so ridiculously massive that it's insane. Mm-hmm. The Avengers movies are, are huge culprits of this, and we've talked about that before. The Avengers crashed a city. They crashed all of New York City. No, oh, they, oh, that one. Yeah, they yeah, lifted they a city, city like a off the yeah. a, off the ground yeah. and then dropped yeah. it back. Down, like what? Yeah, Sokovia, because it became a plot point in the next one. But so when you see Rampage, right? To, to borrow another rock movie, because he makes these kinds of movies a lot. Rampage is a dumb video game adaptation with all these monsters, and they destroy. All of San Francisco. If the whole city gets leveled. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw a trailer for that, I was like, why does this seem like vaguely familiar? And then I was like, oh, it's Rampage is a video game about right. a giant gorilla. I never gorilla. played it, though. Did you? I'm sure I'd seen because it was like an arcade game, game not like a right, home game. Right, So I'm sure right, I'd walk past it. Um, but so Skyscraper solves that problem by getting small with it. Because they, it's you know, the joke has always been, you know, this movie is die hard on a blank and this movie is die hard in a building. And then it's like, Oh wait, <laughs> that's just die hard. That's what die hard the, was. The wrinkle in, in skyscraper is that the rock is a, um, quadru- no, he just, he's missing one of his legs below the knee. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he's a, a veteran. I think he's a veteran and he's got, he's missing his leg below the knee. And that comes into play in a bunch of ways in the movie. But the stunts. Yeah, I remember he like. I, I, I thought I heard that like the big climactic scene is he has to like unratchet the leg and the bad guy falls. I don't remember that happening, but there are a lot of leg play things. Yeah. But the, like, like the, here's an example, right? Everybody, we did Die Hard very recently on the podcast. I'm sure everyone's listened, seen the movie Die Hard. There's a scene in which Bruce Willis ties a hose around his waist and jumps off the side of a building and he falls 30 feet or so and gets back into the building. It's very stupid, but it's at least got fingertips on reality mm-hmm. right like the the it, it makes sense that you would okay that's gonna provide leverage to swing you back inside you're gonna break right. the window sure i understand the movie world logic right you would die that is not something a human like, dies I, I am sure that it is theoretically possible to do it it's stupid oh i but bet mythbusters did believable. that yeah I, I mean if they have somebody sent it to us on the twitter but that is a perfect example of this is a believable thing that happens in this movie. The version of that in Skyscraper is the rock the jump, climbs right? up. Yeah, he climbs up a building crane and then he leaps like 75 yards to get to the building again. And it's just like, it, even if he was jumping 10 feet, this would be stretching, you know, stretching the bounds of of credulity but instead he's just flying through the air and then he gets stuck by his leg of course hanging <laughs> upside down and that leads to more shenanigans it's it's a movie that's truly dumb as a bag of hammers but it's watchable the problem with it is it's two plus hours long no. and i feel like you gotta you gotta tighten the tighten this down to 90 to 140 tops and like let's i'll get let you be an hour 45 with. i'll give you that an extra 50 i'll give you an extra 15 top. minutes because uh, that allows yeah. for a couple like long credits. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's a tippy, tippy, tippy top for me. And he's married to Nev Campbell in that, isn't isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's very like I I like the Rock's movie trailers more than I like the Rock's movies, as we've I think talked about before with Fast and Furious. How those trailers are truly wonderful films, and I never like to watch the real movie. Yeah, I think we've talked about that. Also, the jump made me just think you got a scene where there's a long jumper who's got to do. A oh long yeah. Jump. Or pole vault. the triple jump. Pole vault's good too, but the triple jump where you do like a leaping step, a leaping step, and then jump for distance, and they have to do like a Mario Mario oh. Brothers esque like hop hop leap to get over an obstacle. Okay, I was thinking pole vaulter over a wall or like onto a small yeah, building. Yeah, I'm into that too. I'm into that too. It's a bummer. I personally am more of a Winter Olympics guy, but I think this movie has to be summer athletes. It's just there's I more agree. things. There's yeah. more. There's more like physically aggressive things because I feel like in winter it's like luge and ski and curling and and skating yeah. where it's all Although pretty the I- contained. The idea of coming up with a bit in which someone needs to use their curling skills in order to get solve a physical problem, I want oh no, to I have that right there. here. They have they they have a bomb, and if they can get the bomb into this hole across yeah, yeah, the yeah. way, uh-huh, uh-huh. but it's the only way to do it. There's like glass underneath. There's a glass. <laughs> there's a, a glass door that's come down and stopped just enough to get the bomb underneath and they're separated so you got one guy with a broom on the other side of the door and the guy with the bomb on the one side of the door so he has to slide it under the under the gap in the door and the guy with the broom uh-huh. has to broom it to the hole <laughs> to get it to the, to the slot yeah. yeah and the guy with the broom is the rock who like steps up and is like i got this the I'll rock is the training team. curlers no, the rock just is like I'll sweep, and they're shouting instructions to him, and the rock does the sweep just as the door shuts, and then he's trapped in the room with the bomb, and the rock dies in a fiery explosion. Okay, cool. That's how we get the rock for one day, and we can put his name on the poster. <laughs> I just somebody pay me to write that movie. I know there's, I know obviously among our listeners, I mean, we a can studio executive. Why don't we just we'll just write it and start <laughs> pitching it? We'll carry it, and I'll, we'll go. I mean. The world is shut down right now, but when the world opens right. up again, we'll just yeah. start getting in elevators in Hollywood, holding it. <laughs> yes. And just wait. Going for the gold, the latest motion major, major motion picture coming to you. From some of the studios. Yeah, exactly. I just, I really, truly like I would write that with you. Okay, let's, let's do this. If you're listening to the show and you would watch that movie, tweet us, uh, go for the gold. Hashtag go for the gold. Is that going to be too? Is that that might already be a hashtag? Uh, okay. How about hashtag go gold? Sure. Hashtag gold yes. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, that's probably the best one. Okay. Hashtag gold yes. Okay, so if you like it and you want us to, you think we should take our to write it and then try to make this a movie, you tweet us hashtag gold yes because I need other people to be like on board with this idea so that we have you know something to show the people when we try to pitch them this movie yeah when we go to horror nights next we will just start sliding yeah. it under executive <laughs> yes, office exactly. doors. yeah no there's digital beads if we wrote it we could put it up on the blacklist and that's like a place where scripts get wait that's just the thing you can post on i thought the, the blacklist bl- website i didn't know it was like Not, a, i always assumed the blacklist was like you are you are confusing two things oh. there is the blacklist which is the hottest unproduced scripts in Hollywood gets tabulated every year. Yeah. But there is a website 
owned by the person who started that where people can upload scripts and you can have them read by people. Oh, I didn't know that. That's rad. Okay. Anyway, back to this movie, which we are now 40 minutes into a conversation about and seven minutes into running time. Um, um, so there's an employee, the employees of the hotel are supposed to get married, but they're like being cagey and dodgy and saying like, well, we're going to postpone the wedding. And I was like, okay, I get- this seems like drama we don't need in this movie, but sure. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because the, the woman who like, she's like a hotel executive. Her name is Ayalani, which is also a different spelling, but also the name of the Disney Hawaii resort. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny too. Uh, there's also a so we then see a couple that I w- didn't know how we knew them or who they were, and all around their room are still photos from their other movies they've done. Yes, uh, I I had the observation at this point that the first twenty movie, twenty minutes of this movie is just a shitty Mad Men. It's just dudes talking to each other and drinking cocktails. Because mm-hmm. we also get at this point Paul Newman and the. Uh, tycoon owner of the oil derrick and they're talking and newman's like there's problems i think this is this is an indicator of a problem and the guy's like ah we just struck oil drink some whiskey with me what's wrong with you yeah it's two dudes really want to drink a case of champagne together and i was like oh (laughs) i mean i get it it's paul newman oh also they all have they all have daddy issues all of these men serious oh oh yeah it's worse than supernatural season one and two yes um so this is where you learn that um, Paul Newman is the guy that the secretary was it a secretary? I think so. I didn't get the relationship there very well. Assistant of some kind. That's the man that isn't the marrying type that she says that's he's why I can't marry you. And they have a yeah. very dramatic conversation at an elevator. Um and then the movie decides that we also need to meet uh, Ernest Borgnine and Hoagie from Pete's Dragon. Yeah. Literally, it's it's so detached from the rest of the plot. Yes. He's like, I'm a PI from New York, and you're, you stole bearer bonds or something. And it also, the thing about this that it's worth pointing out, what you said, it has nothing to do. There's never a moment which these things all weave together. It's just always independent thing, independent storylines happening around the same crisis. Yeah, like at least the the oil rig and the volcano are related and the hotel is, you know, in danger of the volcano. Yes, all of that ties together. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, the uh, bear bonds. Oh, so is he going to like buy something at some point that's going to be like, is he... No, he just apparently stole bear bonds, and this man's here to take him home. I'm not. I mean, I don't kick Boris Borgnine and Hoagie out of the movie, but those characters could have been edited out of this movie, and you wouldn't. Nothing gets lost, right? Just no, absolutely Hoagie. not. Yeah. So then we get a long scene of Burgess Meredith giving his wife cancer drugs over breakfast cocktails. Mm-hmm. Well, they also get their get- helicopters' money worth. Because they do it, they use oh, it again. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, come on, guys. <laughs> yes. Well, later they get the actual helicopter involved, which I assume was just the one that was doing the aerial shots earlier. Probably, yeah. Um, he, yeah, Burgess Meredith is giving his wife all the pills. And then you learn that Iolani is secretly with this guy, Bob, who is actually married to Nikki, who is the the goddaughter of the man who 
was on the plane in the beginning and tried to propose to that girl. <laughs> you sound like that girl in Ferris Bueller. Oh, yeah. I heard from my friend who's dating this guy who knows this girl whose brother saw Ferris Fest out 31 Flavors last night. I also sound like the drunk girl at a party you wish you hadn't talked uh-huh. to. Uh-huh. But I, 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 I think s- you got that. I, I do want to be clear. I as I am not an expert on this film. I just watched it to talk to you about it. But I think that was a right. I think you're right. Yes. <laughs> I but think you got that right. The movie, like, earlier you see... I think so. Shelby is the is the man on the plane. We'll start you trying to use names as best we can. Yeah. There's a, a brief scene where you see him like see Nikki and they talk, but they don't say like, I'm your godfather. You're my goddaughter. Like, yeah, I give me the stupid movie bullshit of like, how's my favorite goddaughter doing? Like, give me a little because I don't know anyone's character relationships at this point. Right. Exactly. Um, And I, so I didn't remember when this guy go when bob goes to kiss ailani i didn't remember that he was married because all the men who were within the 20 to 30 age bracket in this movie kind of look the same yeah they definitely do so i was like okay he so ailani's with this, like in love with this other guy okay cool and then i was like oh that's her that's nikki's husband and nikki is okay what yeah, it's very confusing. Because then later, the Shelby is like, Nikki, he only married you to get close to me. And I was like, but why? I don't understand what purpose that serves. Right. It's very soap opery, as we said. It's like, it feels very much like, oh, this is the big dramatic reveal, except I don't know what it means. Yeah. So they decide to go down. It's Paul Newman, Bob, the oil rig guy who runs, who owns the hotel and owns the island, apparently. Bob owns the island. The older guy owns the hotel. There's the guy who introduces himself to Burgess Meredith. That's Shelby. He is, yeah, he's the hotel owner. Oh, I see. They made it seem like he owns the hotel. Like that Bob owns the hotel. I think Bob might be a partner in the hotel. Okay. Um, and then is it Shelby, Bob, and Paul Newman who go down in the? No, it's Paul Newman, no, it's Bob, the, and a third guy who is unimportant. This, this, the, well, the scientist who gets blown up later. Yes. Um. This whole sequence feels like the the first of two pre-shows at a universal attraction. Yeah. They're like, we're going to put you in the elevator, and we're going to send you down to um, this level, and then we'll be in contact with you. And so I'm like, okay, you'd get in this elevator, it would drop you down, then you'd see your second pre-show, and then you move to the actual showroom. Mm-hmm. Because then something goes wrong. Right, and I was like, right. yeah, this is just a, a friggin' attraction, because that's what happened. That's that's the storyline of 80% of attractions is like, we're going to do this perfectly normal thing. Oh, no, something went wrong. And then they rocket you oh. out in a roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just love the design of this little pod, though. And it's like a totally bizarre choice that this pod just has an open floor for no reason. Like, I don't What's a glass bottom? Why. It's not. Yes, it is. No, because someone falls through it later. Because because the glass shatters. A flare hits oh, the glass. Missed the shatter. And okay. somehow the glass they put on the bottom of their volcano elevator, they didn't think <laughs> to like make sure it was Pyrex or whatever. I also think we need to talk about this a little more because what this thing is is a claw machine that drops straight into boiling, bubbling magma. It's a claw machine that's holding a telephone booth. That just yes. drops you down. <laughs> and, the, like, to what end? To what purpose? 
there's some level of instrumentation in this thing, but it immediately breaks when they're in it. And so it can't go that close to lava on a regular basis, I would imagine. But also, if it's just instrumentation, why is it big enough for people? It should just be the thing you drop down and pull up. Right. A temperature probe or something. Yeah. It also gets to be 104 degrees in there. And I was like, that sounds like a nightmare. Right. But also, like hot but not deadly and they're acting as if they're going to die before they get to the dangerous part and like i don't know i'm not the bravest man on earth but i've been in a sauna and that's usually about 100 101 Mm -hmm. um so yeah things the the elevator thing breaks and starts swinging freely and uh then the glass falls out and they have to pull the guy up and then one guy start one dude this is the best part of the movie (laughs) One dude, because this there's a scientist at the computer, like I don't know why it's not working, and then I think he's Paul Newman's like muscle guy. Uh huh. He's running around trying to help, only sarcastically repeating what the scientist says for unknown reasons. Like the scientist will right. be like, "It's not working." He goes, "It's not working." And I was like, "Okay, like, what's happening?" <laughs> not and then, helpful. He runs over, like, throws open this door, and it starts hand-cranking the elevator plus three grown men up. (laughs) So let me do some back-of-the-napkin math. Let's assume each of those guys weighs 180 pounds, right? So you're working with 540 off the bat plus the pod. And this man is like, crank, crank, and then he gets into a rhythm, and he's, like, actually cranking. Because he's not, like... Um, Hulk Hogan big. No. He's like, um, who would it be? Like, uh... He, he's less big than any of the Marvel actors. Yeah, well, they're huge because they're on steroids. Right. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> be careful there. But yeah, it's bonkers. And like, I understand that pulleys make work easier and, and gears and the, the gear involved would make this easier. I understand all of that. But it is a ludicrous amount of weight for this man to be winching as easily as he's winching. Yeah. So they get back up. Um, and then we get a real Mayor Vaughn situation where Paul Newman's like, okay, so clearly something's wrong. Uh, let's shut this down. Like, stop digging for oil. We got to evacuate. And the oil guy, Bob, is like, no, it's fine. If you average out the readings, we're below normal. Okay, well, this one here is bad. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So then we teleport from here to the oil rig, and everybody's just cracking a beer. They throw one to Paul Newman, who catches it, because of course he does. He cracks it, he starts drinking it. He chugs like half this beer for courage, then gets up there and basically has to tell this whole crew, hey, we're shutting down the rig, all of you are going to lose your jobs because this is really dangerous, it's going to blow up. And they mutiny on him. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, so this is where I was confused. Again, because they're like, well, you're not the boss, Bob is the boss. And I was like, then what is Paul Newman's job? He's the foreman. Okay. There's like a chain of bosses. You know what I mean? Okay. But then still the foreman says this. The boss is. Behind every boss. Behind every boss is another boss just waiting to boss that boss. Yes. Because they're like, well, if Bob doesn't say so, I'm like, Bob's not here, Paul Newman. You can say whatever the hell you want. Right. Exactly. And also you could just be like, it's my job. I'm calling it. We're not doing this. Yeah. Um. And then we got a real, like, prescient thing where he's like, y'all have to go home. And he's like, maybe you can afford to not work. I can't afford to not work. So I have to stay here and put my two kids through college. And I was like, oh, that's too too relevant. 
Quarantine Cinema. Yeah, I was like, it's oh boy. in the 80s. Hey, hey. Patreon.com slash in the 80s. Why don't you guys check it out? Some cool stuff there, huh? Yep. Throw some money our way. Uh, we cut from this to yet another character introduction. I was like, we are too <laughs> far into this movie for you to be introducing new characters I have to care about. And it's Pat Morita from... Uh, Mr. Miyagi fame. The, of course, yes. Running a cockfighting ring. That also might be a brothel? Yeah, I can't quite tell, but I'm also deeply confused. It was so bizarre. And then you... Because that scene was running was running more than a minute 45 seconds, they jump over yeah. to Hoagie running like a little Nancy boy. <laughs> he does have a flouncy run. If anyone... I'm going to do a deep cut. Jim from Jim and the Holograms runs a very specific way, and it is exactly how Hoagie runs in this movie. It's arms up, like, in a fist where your fingers are out, f- like, back and forth, not uh-huh. effective, not pumping to give you momentum or, like, do anything, just up and kind of back and forth as you're sloppily Flailing. running. Flailing, yeah. And my favorite part of this bit is, like, Ber- Borgnine going up to him, and I, I don't have a Borgnine impression, but he's like, hey, that's a real nice tracksuit you got there. Looks pretty expensive. Did you buy that with stolen money? And I'm, how much does it must have cost 70 possibly- bucks. Right. How much does a tracksuit possibly cost, and how is that an unattainable number? Yeah, he's like, it's $70. And I was like, that seems like, I don't know, a splurge purchase. Yeah. I mean, that's what, 200 bucks today? Probably. Which yeah. is a, let's not like stolen money purchase. That's a splurge. Especially for someone who's literally on vacation on a tropical island. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then we cut, after 65 seconds of that story, we cut over to the scientists who were like, the volcano well, is no, it's going Shelby, oh, it's on the phone. Shelby yeah. and Bob. And Shelby's like, Bob, we got to shut down. And Bob's like, trust me. And he's like, I trust my men to a certain point, but you need to shut it down. And so he calls the scientists. And the scientists are like, we have to shut it down. This is going to go explode. We have to get out of here right now. And he pretends it's good news. And is like, oh, I'm sure Mr. Shelby would want to hear that, too. And Shelby's like, I trust you, and hangs up the phone without talking. Yeah, and at this point, you're like, oh, Shelby, you're complicit. Well, I thought Shelby was going to die. I thought he was going to hand the phone to Shelby and then hit him with something. Oh. Like, when he went to answer. That would have made a lot of sense, actually. More Mm -hmm. than what they did in this movie, which is to just have him shrug at it and be like, I guess he's not lying. Yeah. And then... uh, Paul Newman says that uh, he was statutory raped as a 13-year-old by a housewife. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that... But he tells it as, like, a cool story. Yeah, it's like cred. Yeah. Oh, he's on a picnic with... Uh, I can't remember her name now. Kay? Yes, and they took a helicopter to She's, get to this picnic. She is the assistant from the beginning of the movie. Yes. And I, I had to say, they do... So we've talked about this before, how certain actors have certain things that they're very good at. Tom Cruise likes Runs. to watch himself run. Paul Newman leans on his elbow cooler than any other human being he leans on their elbow. Yeah, it's pretty, he's pretty cool. He does it in almost all of his movies. Really? Yeah, he leans on his elbow in Cool Hand Luke. He leans on his elbow in uh, Bush Cassidy, Sundance Kid. I mean, I'm I'm just referencing the Paul Newman movies I'm very familiar with, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's a deleted scene from Cars 2 where the car leans on its elbow because he does the voice of it. Wait, what car? He's a car in Cars 2? Or he's in the first Cars. He's Hudson Hawk. Hudson. Oh, Hawk. he's the old man car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he just looks so cool leaning on his elbow talking to this lady. 
He does. And there's a weird moment where the, the a cork got stuck and he pushes it in and it splashes. Would well, you think that was yeah. scripted? No, I don't. I think that they just went with it because she's like, she says something about see if you can make it work or something like that. Mm. Yeah, it felt very real to me as well. Then there's a weird moment where she laughs too long and then the volcano erupts. And we get your your first instance of Erwin Allen's favorite shake the tripod the camera is on so that the actors don't have to, the actors have to pretend. It's very Whoa. Sort of tricky. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. Like, Rocking throw your weight right, throw your weight left. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they go, they start to run, they start to, like, get up to leave, and she starts to pack up the picnic, and he's like, leave it! It's such a good line reading. Um, well, also, there's a great moment where there's a, a, a airport runway, and you watch it start to break apart and like shatter. Yes, it looks yes. so cool. This whole montage rules. There's that. There's the bar that shakes with all the people in it. And they all do the <laughs> yeah. like Star Trek tilt left or right. Um, the lab falls all apart. The lab They're falls really into the fun. volcano. Yeah. 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 Those like, poor it's scientists. Like, <laughs> it's like perched on the side of a hill and just crumbles down into it. It gets pulled down by that uh, dangly claw machine thing. Yeah. And then um, for some reason, these two... Uh, Paul Newman and Kay, instead of leaving, decided to track the lava, and then they fly... Well, I think they were trying to, like, save people. They're trying to see which direction it's going, So because they do that rescue right now. Yeah. Well, so they see a horse farm, and the camera is them in this shot, and there's a right. small white blip far away. <laughs> yes. And Kay yes. goes, hey, that's Nikki. How? How do you know that? In what <laughs> she's universe? Apparently, she's apparently part eagle. <laughs> yeah, like, is do you have superpower? <laughs> she, I think she's an anamorph, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she the, turned me into an eagle. This is my second anamorphs conversation in a week. Because <laughs> I remembered that the bad guys in anamorphs either couldn't eat oatmeal or could only eat oatmeal or something like that, and then. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, and then I thought maybe it was actually that if they started to eat oatmeal, they had to keep eating oatmeal or they died. It was something like that. But then my friend was like, oh, the Andalite who gave them their powers was obsessed with, like, donuts or something or, like, pizza and once, like, almost blew his cover running through a mall eating donuts. And I was like, I don't remember that. <laughs> I have it's one of this for some reason like weird stuff sticks in your head and the the lasting memory I have of a specific thing from Animorphs is that at one point one of the Yerks those are the bad guys right yeah ha- knew one of the kids was, and took over their mom no but that it, I, we're, we're, this is way more minutia than that there was a Yerk infested person who was accusing a kid of being an andalite and the kid was like walking away and it yells out andalite and she goes yeah it is dark in here (laughs) and i just remember being like that's so stupid but even as a kid like i don't know why that that stuck me stuck with me huh so they i do want to talk about this horse scene because this is buck wild yeah the speck on the horizon is nikki they land the helicopter and they're like everyone get in uh, and so they set all the horses free so they can escape the lava. And then the kids and Nikki get in the helicopter and the two grown men decide to stand on the edge. Well, there's nowhere, there's no room for them inside. So Paul Newman tells him, he's like, put your feet on the strut. We can squeeze. The weight is our, if the weight's on the, on the helicopter, like it's not a matter of weight because the weight's there. Right, Everybody right, just right. squeeze in. Come on, kids. 
Yeah. But yeah, also exactly. sit on laps. It's a classic case of no one's giving you style points. It's like in video games or in movies when a character has a log they have to get across and they always do the like arm out and T pose wobble uh-huh, across. No. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Lay down, bear hug it, and inchworm across. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. uh-huh no one's giving uh-huh. you style points. Don't stand on the rails of this helicopter and hold on. Sit on the rail, wrap your legs around the pole, and then hug it. Yeah, I don't know if the, you want to be the, hugging. The leg of the helicopter is attached, so if you wrap both your legs around the like attachment pole. Oh, if you if you if you sat around it. Okay, I misunderstood what you were saying. Yeah, if you like sit and wrap your legs around, then you can hold that or like hold something. But like you have a much uh-huh. better grip because one guy falls off instantly. We never yes, knew who he was. He takes- he takes a big head over here's heels tumble into the lava flow below. I would love to see the unedited footage because several people fall into lava and it's clearly just like footage yes. of them falling onto a blue mat. Yes. And I just want that raw footage. It's also it's also directly in front of these small children that this man plunges to his lava e death. Mm-hmm. Um and this is the scene where I said it felt like an attraction because everyone runs out of the bar, the brothel cockfighting bar, um, and the water starts springing out of boxes for no reason, and fire starts erupting, and a really terrible-looking tidal wave comes. It's 100% like in a bathtub. Yes. Um, it's it's very obviously a small bit of water that they shot very closely. Yeah. And it kills people. Again, I'm like, people aren't, um, this isn't what my reaction would be in this situation. They like stop and turn around and stare at it until it comes to them. Yeah. And Pat Morita's running, trying to race away from it, gets into a car and they're just trying to drive away. And then they stop driving to look at the the wave. I was like, no, 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 no. You keep going. Right. Pedal to the floor until there is no more road. Yeah. And then the helicopter lands at the resort and they're like, hey, the volcano erupted. That's what's been shaking the entire island. We got to get out of here. And uh, Bob has, takes up the Mayor Vaughn mantle, and he's like, mm, it's probably not that big of a deal. Yeah, and they have a little bit of back and forth, at which point another person's like, I'm going to take the chopper. And Paul Newman's like, where are you going to fly it? It can't get that. can't get off the island. And a bunch of people panically rush this chopper. 50 people rush this, this is, chopper. This is as cool of a helicopter stunt sequence as in – previous champion personally to me dawn of the dead the original one oh yeah with the, the helicopter takes off the guy's head right or the scalp right uh-huh 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 and then later like they pick up they lift off the ground and zombies are dangling off the thing yeah um because people are like, like punching each other there's... and ripping each other out of the helicopter also who know who in this group of uh, hawaii tourists knows how to fly a helicopter my favorite is the guy who's in the shotgun seat wearing a, I think he has a sweater tied around his neck and penny loafers, and he's just kicking the bejeebus out of this guy in the chest who's trying to pull him out of the helicopter. It's an awesome looking stunt. Yeah. Uh, so the helicopter has maybe 10 to 15 people inside and four people holding on to the outside as it takes off. People are falling off left and right. Most of them into the ocean, but it doesn't it doesn't show them come back up. No. One of them looks like a dummy that falls off. The blue dress lady. Yeah, yeah. And then instantly it crashes into the into the mountain and explodes. In an awesome real explosion. Yeah, super cool. It's nice to see some real stuff in this movie. Um, and then uh, this is where Randy New- Randy Newman, Paul Newman, <laughs> <laughs> the so sad. 
I can't believe, can't believe there's a volcano. You got the magma with me. Crossing the bridge with me. You got lava. There ain't no road up ahead. <laughs> you got lava. I got it too. Pretty damn hot in here. Grab some marshmallows. We'll make some more for you. <laughs> so this is where Paul Newman... Ra- Randy Newman's theme song for When Time when? Ran Out. Not his best work. This is when time ran out. This is when time Clock ran out. Clock's ticking on to zero. <laughs> um... Hourglass running out of sand. I haven't actually seen the movie, so I'm just using as many time-related analogies as I can. Um, Paul Newman learns that... Egg timers ringing bells. (laughs) Are we good? Paul Newman learns that... uh, Tiny, his, like, right-hand man... Can't hit that snooze button. (laughs) Gotta get up for work. Your twin no bell alarm's going off. <laughs> ring, ring, <laughs> ring, ring, ring. Okay, now I'm done. Um, and this is a great line where uh, Meredith... Microwave starting to beep. Your popcorn's ready to eat. No. <laughs> Microwave getting to one. Better open the door before it beeps, cause it's late, and you don't want to wake them up. (laughs) Okay, now I think I'm truly out of them. Okay. Meredith Burgess says to his wife, you've lived through the collapse of burlesque and vaudeville twice, I think you'll be okay. Burgess Meredith is in this and also that episode of Twilight Zone when, where there was time at last. Something about that actually connects. Oh, I forgot that was him. <laughs> I forgot that was him, too. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. And the eruptions, quote-unquote, are just straight-up columns of fire rocketing <laughs> yes. hundreds of feet into the air straight up. It's not like... When I think of an eruption, I think of, like, burbling hot magma coming over the sides. Both things are true. But, like, this movie only has the column of fire. Yes, yes. And also, it launches, like, missiles at people. <laughs> yeah, it aims. It's like a video yes. game where yeah. you can see the shadow getting bigger and you have to run. Um, Ernest Borgnine gets sprayed in the face and he ends up getting the best head bandage I've ever seen in a movie. It's full nose and up. I almost wonder if it was because he couldn't be there every day. Oh, interesting. I assumed it was stunt-related, but he doesn't really do anything stunty later. No. Oh, he does on the bridge a little bit. Kind of. I mean, but again, again, so this character gets blinded and burned in the face and has to have full, like, upper half of his face bandages. And I just kept thinking, like, again, I don't want to kick Ernest Borgnine out of this movie, but, like, why is this character here? Right. It's only so that the two of them can reconcile later, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, they could have been other characters in this movie, and I would have been super happy. More than I usually don't care, I don't care. Um, and 
what annoyed me about this scene where he gets, you know, hit in the face with fire is that everyone is gathered on this balcony staring at the volcano as the fireballs fly towards them. And I was like, right. what? My first, if there's a volcano, I'm not outside. I'm inside no. somewhere packing right. up to get the hell out. Right. I'm desperately trying to find a car, a boat, a canoe. Uh, and then this is this is the moment where I realized that I was like, oh, the tightrope walkers are going to be the Shelley Winters of this movie. Definitely. Yeah, I was like, yeah. this is. I was like, okay, I can see it. There's a bri- like, there's going to be like a moment where they have to like shimmy across a thing. Um, and then Shelby goes inside to get his goddaughter allegedly, and is like, hey, we have to leave. And she's like, well, if my husband says it's fine, and he's like, he doesn't love you at all. He married you to get close to me. We have to leave now. And she's like, no, I won't leave. Okay. Yeah. Also, in the Wikipedia, it says um, that Bob keeps a secret. This Bob has a secret that Brian, Iolani's fiance that she leaves for him, is his Ill- illegitimate half-brother. That's not in the movie. Maybe that's in the longer cut. Maybe. Because it was like, yeah, he's his illegitimate half-brother, which makes him part owner. And I was like, I am... What? What? <laughs> yeah, it is rather strange. Um, and so... Uh, Bob tells everyone, like, hey, Hank couldn't save his men. And I was like, what are we talking about? Who couldn't he save? Well, the the explosion of the magma did kill all the guys working on the oil derrick earlier. We saw that happen? Yeah. I don't remember that happening. I remember the scientists collapsing. I don't remember the oil rig. No, the, the oil rig blows up. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. So he uses that to say, like, he can't save you. And so all these people turn on him. Um... And when they're all leaving in cars, they're, like, trying to form a human chain to prevent people from deciding to follow him, which, like, fuck off, dude. Yeah, I feel like this doesn't matter. If you other people want to go, more resources for you. Yeah, and as they're all getting in cars, people are like, yeah, you can't save us, you can't save your men. I was like, don't, you only just learned about that. You can't, come on. Also, you just watched him deck the guy for saying it. It feels like maybe you don't want to go there. Yeah, Um, I wrote... Oh, we're getting a ballroom Christmas tree scene, aren't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can smell it coming Yeah, because I was like, that's what this is. This is the ballroom Christmas tree moment, because this movie is just the Poseidon adventure with a volcano in Hawaii. I mean, all of his movies are the same. It's, you know, the group of people faces a bunch of trials on their way to try to get to safety, and you slowly pick the crowd off one by one as you go. But does Towering Inferno have this moment, too, where, like, a large group is like, we won't follow you, we're going to follow this guy? I think in Towering Inferno, they're separated by what happens more so than choice. Okay. But I don't, I do not remember. It was several years ago that I watched it. And the only thing I really truly remember is watching it in high definition. And there's a scene where a stuntman does a full body burn and jumps through a window. It's very cool. But you can see this horrifying mask the guy was wearing and they didn't shoot it to hide it because they weren't worried about it. So you see this just weird looking faceless monster on fire and it's, it's like genuinely when, scary like when freddy catches fire and suddenly he's like 70 pounds heavier and you're like uh-huh, what? Uh-huh. What? <laughs> yeah yeah luckily his face is already messed up f- yeah he's a very frail man or, or, <laughs> or slight man not frail uh he probably shouldn't cast a chubby guy to be the stunt double well i don't think it was a chubby guy i think it was the suit oh i think it's burn stuff. suit yeah, makes sense yeah 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 um so they drive away in three cars, one of which is an open-top convertible Jeep, and they keep driving through smoke, and I was like, maybe we should have, like, picked a closed-top car? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I realize... Or, like, maybe not put the woman with cancer in the open car. Yes. Yes. Yeah, maybe she gets in the cab of the truck. I don't know. They drive and drive and drive, and they come across some rubble that they can't get across, and we get a beautiful lower half matte painting. Yes. Which is not... You don't see a lower half matte very Mm -mm. often. So there's, like, the... It's to to make you think that there's a drop-off of this, like, rubble. So they're all climbing over... And then I was like, oh, yeah, that one guy's blind. (laughs) Yes. And so they're doing this thing where they're kind of scrambling over these rocks and climbing. And then there's another sequence where they're edging along a cliff that's got this narrow band. And they're kind of like furting across like caterpillars. Um, Eventually, somebody falls. The children's father. Yes. Right in front of them, of course. But I have to say, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get any dummies. I was really hoping for a dummy. I think the only dummy I spotted was the lady in the blue dress or blue pantsuit on the helicopter. I thought that was a person because the helicopter comes really close to the water before she falls off. I don't know. It seems stiff. So I don't know. Yeah. It looked like about a 10 to 15 foot drop, which seems like achievably safe certainly in the 1970s (laughs) yeah right um but yeah no it's this kid the kids that like i don't care about these kids i don't know anything about these kids they've shown up right they shoot they showed up 15 minutes ago and haven't said line they don't have any dialogue in this movie right they might say five lines back and forth um because i'm sorry if if i if i like pick up some kids in an emergency situation and then they fall behind i'm not going back for them like, if you're not my kids and you're not related to me, you wandered off. Now it's on you. I think most people don't agree with you there, but I I get what you're saying. Well, because those stupid kids ran away, we lost people on the bridge scene. No, I know. It's it's very dumb. Yeah. This is where we learned that Bob was having an affair. We knew that Bob was having an affair. But she learns about She learned. Yeah, Nikki now yes, learns. Yes, well, yes, But first, there's a shot of Bob looking at the volcano and if the camera pans down i'm sure they would have had to blur out what he was doing with his hands <laughs> because he is so turned on by this raging volcano and i don't know why i think it's because he thinks he's about to have all of the beachfront property it's just like a very doctor like yeah i've done this like it's almost as though he wanted the explosion to happen it does seem kind of like he does, because he ignores all the warnings. Yeah, and then when it happens, he's like, mm-hmm, fap, 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 fap. <laughs> uh, we cut back, and this is, so... At oh, this he also point, says, you should have gone with your godfather. I don't love you. Yeah. Like, straight up really says that cold. to her. Really cold, Bob, really cold. You deserve what's coming to you. Um, so at this point, we are one hour, 23 minutes, and 12 seconds in the movie. And we are at the start of the bridge sequence, which is they the group that snuck away comes up to this bridge that is wooden bridge over a lava flow. Which would be on fire and broken and gone. Because, fun fact, Probably. lava is super hot. I don't know if it is hot enough that the wood would spontaneously combust like that. That close? I don't know. I don't know. Well, so I've actually, so there's a really great youtube's uh channel called asap science where they like do the sciencey stuff within like five to six five to seven minutes so it's super digestible uh they did one about like what happens if all the oxygen were to disappear from the earth and stuff like that and the really cool one they did was what happens if you fell into a volcano and they're like you would never hit the lava like you are dead long before you get that there that does make sense yeah because of the heat and the gas that's released like the earth's it's not habitable 
Right, right. So this, because it's a, it's not like it's a flowing cooling. It's like a continually flowing Hot stream flow. of yeah, lava, yeah. and it's super close to them. So like that bridge would be on fire. I think you're correct. I just, I'm saying, I just, I don't know. But what I was getting to is, this is an. 18 and a half minute sequence of them trying to cross the bridge, which is so, so, so overly long to the point Mm -hmm. where I watched this first and I texted you and I was like, you can fast forward a little bit. It goes for 20 When you get to the bridge sequence. And so you, I didn't really know what the movie was about. So I'm picturing like Final Destination bridge sequence. Like it's like a suspension bridge and like you know, wires are snapping. And as soon as I saw this bridge, I went, all caps, this is our flooded passage. Here's where the tightrope walkers come into play. Yes. So we will get through this in much less time than 18 minutes, but Paul Newman checks it out. He says it's, like, passable, but they need to be quick and they need to go in small groups. You get a lot of the... For some reason, this movie has a bunch of, like, not slow motion, but very slow, like, near-miss falls. Where he like puts his foot down on a on a board that breaks and he's like, whoa, and slowly yes. sinks himself into it. And I was like, this isn't slow-mo. What is this? Right, right. It's very weird because it's almost like they told Paul Newman to do slow-mo. Yeah. Um, so the kids get scared and run away. And that's where I said I would have left them because if they hadn't gone to find the kids, most of the people would have survived. Yeah. So they send across Borgnine with the now. So Borgnine was the cop. He was chasing this criminal. Now the criminal is helping him. So they go. He, of course, falls and they have to like drag him back up. It's and also Brian, the man who is apparently Bob's half brother. Oh. And Ayalani's original fiance. At this point, we find out that Burgess Meredith's wife has died off screen. Like we don't it even pissed get. pissed me like, off because I thought she yeah. was going to save the day. Oh, yeah. I thought it course. was. I was thinking lady for lady. And so he's like, I'm just going to stay here and die with her. Like, I'm good. Y'all y'all keep on trucking, but I'm just going to lay down and die here. No, he says he's going to find the kids because that was her dying wish. I thought he says he was going to stay with her. No, he said the last thing she said to me was go find the children. So I'm going to go oh. find the children. Um, because Mr. Miyagi went to find the kids. And when he comes back, his wife is like a quarter of the way, almost across and keeps freaking out and gets across safely. And then Mr. Miyagi tries to cross with the two women and falls to his death. And I was like, bummer, Miyagi. Yeah, he does He does a big, like, uh, Pratt fall type over-the-top cartwheel fall. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Oh, and a woman, a red shirt woman that didn't have a name, was literally yes. wearing a red shirt. I know, that cracked me up, too. This sequence is three things. The maximum amount of corny that it could be. Mm-hmm. Like, as as you're picturing it, picture it cornier. Also, Extremely, picture the bridge way shorter than you think it's going to be. Yes, it is, like, almost jumpable. It's it's the rock jumpable. Yes. Uh, it's extremely well shot. Like, it's cool. They, they, they make use of this kind of tight space, to, and I think, like, it looks cool, but it is extremely corny. And then it is also just unbearably too long. Yes. And so here's my my biggest problem. So we get to finally the bridge collapses and all that's left is the support struts. So it's like, okay, tightrope walk. I know where this is going. But the problem is Paul Newman is also stuck there. So Burgess Meredith is like, hang on a sec. I got an idea. And he goes running off. He's not the actual penguin. (laughs) That's what he sounds like in Rocky. (laughs) Uh, You got to eat lightning and crap thunder. And also I can tightrope. (laughs) 
he goes and gets a bamboo pole. I, I literally, as he ran off, I was like, he's going to get a piece of bamboo. And then he does. He gets this kid to hold him around the neck. And then he does this long tightrope walk sequence. It's two across. minutes. Yes. I Because um, I skipped 15 seconds and I had to skip eight times. So he is he's doing this across a support beam that's probably six inches wide. Like, I get it. He's old. He's retired from tightrope walking. But for him, this should be a cakewalk. But my beef is Burgess Meredith gets across and then Paul Newman is still over there. And Paul Newman just the bridge is is like a um, a frame thing. So there's the top part that is the actual support where the roadway was or the walkway was. And then below that is a you know series of crossed struts and another piece of, of metal. So it's, you know, a, a square or a long rectangle, basically a long box. And so Paul Newman just walks on the lower one and holds onto the top one. And I'm like, okay, you need to edit this in such a way that Paul Newman gets across doing this. And then something happens. And the only way to get across is to tightrope walk. Yes, exactly. It's it's ludicrous that it's done in the opposite way. Um, yeah, Paul Newman almost falls, and the little girl almost falls, and they have to go out and get her. And then he comes back, and he's like, does he die? He doesn't die, Burgess Meredith. No, they don't. Because I thought he was going to die, too. But this 73-year-old man gets, you know, gets his way across. And they also, it's quite hilarious how they shoot around Burgess Meredith because it's like extreme feet close-ups, extreme face close-up, back to the feet, then the face. There's almost no wide shots in this whole thing. No, absolutely not. Which is like, I don't know, I feel like even at 73, Burgess Meredith could have done this, air quotes, stunt. You know what I mean? Like, it's a Probably. six inch wide. Yeah, he seems capable of walking. Well, it was, so it was shot in a water tank. This sequence was? Yeah, so it was, um, there's a famous synchronized swimmer, and I can't remember her name. She was in movies a lot, like Buzz, Busby Berkeley style movies. I'm mad that I can't remember her name. Oh, Esther Williams. Okay. It was filmed in the Esther Williams tank because it would allow, it allowed them to have a bit of a gap, like a, like something underneath them. Mm-hmm. And still safe, so they could like they filled it with like smoke bombs and like light flashes, so it looked like the lava. Huh? You'd think they would have just built a bridge over top of. I guess I'm thinking green screen. Like if, they, if this was a Marvel movie, it would just be a bunch of green foam. Yeah, exactly. But it's the seven. It's 1979. Right, 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 right. That makes sense. So they finally got across <laughs> after 20 minutes, 18 and a half minutes. Too much time uh, is wasted on these stupid kids. Yeah, and they're like, all right, we got to head to the lava tubes. It's our only way to safety. So they like they run and they cut off screen. And as they cut off screen, we cut back to the hotel. And it's like, oh, shit, we got to get out of this movie. Um, what if we just killed them all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just launch a volley of fireballs. It's like Bob army. and his, his mistress on the balcony. Inside the room is his actual wife. Yes. Um, and all the people in the hotel the, on the ground floor, and they just blow it. It's it's a bad looking explosion. It's it annoys me because we've had some good ones in this movie. Yeah, although I really do love the part where this huge fireball comes roaring at the hotel, and there's Bob just steely gazing at it. You know, like just bring it on, baby. While his mistress <laughs> screams, and then his wife yeah. screams. Yeah, yeah, and then you know. Bah, bah, bah big explosions the hotel goes up it's a model obviously but it's not as good looking as any of the other explosions we've seen yeah and then for some unknown reason 
the last shot is letterboxed. Well, wait, hold on. <laughs> we get a sequence where the group of people who were leaving now just spend the night in this lava tube. And it's basically that scene from every episode of Supernatural where everybody leans on the car to talk about their feelings. Oh, with the beer? Yeah. Yeah. They're all, you know, the Ernest Borgnine and the other guy are, he's like, you know, I'm going back to New York. If you're ever there, look me up. And, and like, think he's become friends with this cop. And it's just well, like, he says, give me a 20 minute like, head start. Yeah. 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 Some but woman, then, some woman asks Mr. Miyagi's wife, what are you going to do now that you're all alone? And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> there is a thing of, of timing and you need to consider timing. But so they they I guess they sleep and then they wake up and you're right it does go to to letterbox but the movie ends with them just walking down a hill they don't actually get rescued at the end well I think so they said that the coast guard was or someone was sending a boat right but where's the fucking boat I need to see the boat and the like wave and the horn and the fire flare like That's why fair. is it why doesn't the they couldn't afford tube, the boat. But why doesn't the lava tube come out on the beach? Like, okay, just shoot it this way. They come out into the sunlight on the beach, and one of them goes, hey, it's a boat. And then you hear, and then they all wave, and that's the end of the movie. That's fair. That's that's free. I think it's because then you would have to freeze frame on them, like, in the air waving. I guess. It basically, it just you just watch these people gingerly make their way down a path, and then it just the credits start covering them, and then they get covered completely. It's so weird. So that's the end of the movie. What are your uh, final thoughts? It's not bad, but it's not my favorite. It's no Poseidon Adventure. No, I don't think it's as as exciting uh, as, as Poseidon Adventure is. And the Poseidon Adventure is also probably way long in the tooth, and we just remember it nicely. Yeah. Uh, this originally ran for 121 minutes, and it was a huge, huge bomb. And so that they, they cut it down really really aggressively uh and then uh, on tv it was titled earth's final fury which is a better title i think i guess maybe uh but so cute little connections here so uh paul newman and holden william holden were both in towering inferno and ernest borden and red buttons were both in poseidon adventure i forgot who do you remember who was red buttons like a major character in poseidon adventure I don't because it would have been about the time of Pete's Dragon, right? It's been so long. I don't remember. I want to rewatch it. Even even if I look the character up, I don't think it would jog my memory. Um, but this was a. Have you ever seen budget. the remake? Because I have not. I've seen with Fergie. Part of it, I'm pretty sure Fergie's in it. But also our boy Kurt, and so I kind of want to see Kurt it Russell? In solidarity. Yeah. Hmm. Is he Gene Hackman? I believe so. Hmm. I don't know for sure, but I believe so. He might be the captain of the ship. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, but $20 million and it grossed 3.7. So huge disaster at the box office, bigger than the disaster in the movie. hundred percent writer journalists were like creaming their pants to get to write that headline. Oh, for sure. Uh, the best part is the, the, the film reviews that this is from the Wikipedia, but, uh, reviews called it when ideas ran out and the blubbering inferno. I love that. Yeah. Also, apparently, Paul Newman only did this movie because he was contractually obligated, and he hates it, and he calls it that volcano movie, and he yeah. used the money to start his salad business. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, if you like Newman's products, you should thank this movie. because Which apparently, is... all the proceeds get donated? 
Yeah. From Newman's Own? I didn't know that. Yeah. No, he just like wanted to do good in the world and was like, I could put my face on salad dressing and people would probably buy it. So maybe I should just do that. I never knew that it was like a charity thing because that's rat. I would totally buy more Newman's Own if I knew that. Yeah. I don't know if that changed after his death, but when he was alive, that was definitely the gimmick of it. Um, I love Paul Newman. So I'm, I eventually I would like to see everything he ever did. I have, I'm nowhere near completing that list, but that, so this, if, if nothing else, this checked that box for me is like, Oh, okay. Moving on. Um, yeah, but I, I, I really, the reason I want to talk about this is because I feel like we have such a, I, I, I'm glad this went the way it did. I was hoping we'd get to talk about a lot of these disaster movie things. Cause I feel like it is some, you know, when you talk about the sort of pieces of, your film fandom there's like a it's not a keystone right it's not keeping the whole tower together but a block in both of our towers is definitely it's a foundational piece that you're like oh that makes sense why i like these things i don't even know if i'd say it's foundational but it's like toward the bottom of the jenga tower you know what i mean like it's maybe not in the first four or five steps but it's there um and also because it's so theme parky and i really think the well i think maybe on patreon because it wasn't one time you were selected for something, right? In, does that, in yes. Earthquake? Yes. Both Dad and I were selected for the same exact role in Earthquake. Yeah, because when Dad did it, I was much younger. And right. basically the trick is that, like, they're going to drop him from a building safely. And then they throw a dummy over the edge. And then uh-huh. he comes out, like, disheveled. And he sold it. Yeah. Um, but my child-ass brain thought my dad fell off a building. And yeah, I got yeah. too upset. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you did get very upset, I remember. Yeah. That. And we, we were like, oh, no, he's, he's, he's totally fine. It's just, Dad was just doing a bit. Like, he was – he was. also, it's really funny. Like, our just normally pretty stoic dad, every time we were in Orlando, was, like, just Mr. Along for the ride. Like, oh, it's he, theme parks do it to him. Because my boyfriend, the first time we ever went down, he, it was we went on Soarin in, uh, in, in Epcot, which I think was our first ride there as a unit. And he was like – your dad turned into a different person on Soren. Yeah. Like Tinkerbell came out at the end. And he was like, Tinkerbell, I know her. And then was like saying <laughs> boom along with the fireworks explosions. Yes. Yes. Uh, but he would, so he, the, the gimmick of earthquake was that they would get a bunch of audience volunteers and you, you got to volunteer too. You did the, um, I got soaked. I was the yes. director and yes. I didn't – I don't know if it was, like, a known fact because I probably wouldn't have done that if I knew that. Uh-huh. But it was, like, you say action and they're going to r- do the rain effects. And when I said action, they dumped a lot of water on me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so they would they would do these things. So they'd have a bunch of volunteers go up and do a bunch of silly stuff. And they'd have people, like, pretend to be on an escalator that was shaking. And another group of people would operate these arms that made the escalator look like it was shaking. And then you were doing that part. But then the, the big final thing was, like, and the big stunt fall. And then they would drop the dummy and it would crash. And then they'd have the person stagger up out of the bottom and do, like, a whatever. Um, so dad did it when I was – our dad did it when I was young. And I, like – the thing I wanted to volunteer for more than anything else at any theme park was the dummy guy at Earthquake. I was like, oh my god, that's the coolest thing that people get to do. So I, I was, <laughs> it was, I think the last time we wrote it, even, uh, I ran ahead. I was literally to our family, I was like, I'm gonna run when the doors open. And I ran and I was directly in front and I waited for the stunt man and I just threw my hand up and was like, pick me! And the poor, the poor person working at Universal was like, okay, him! This like pimply-faced teenager. Jamie or Chris or other androgynous yeah. name. Yeah. 
Uh, and so I, I think got we to should put the bit. video of you falling on the Patreon page. Yeah, I can look for it. I, it's it's somewhere in on that I in think the archives. Yeah, yeah, I can try to track it down. But yeah, a nice I, little incentive if you want to see tr- or me I, or yeah. both. I, I have. I, I think we, we imagine we're both in it because we were. It was the same time that we both volunteered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. I'll have to yeah. go through those tapes, uh, those uh, yeah. those links, and watch. But uh, yeah, on the Patreon page, if you want to see that, exclusive. Yeah, but I, you know, I I did the same bit. If you stagger out of the thing, like you're you're really injured. Uh, but yeah, no, I, that was like a, a dream park, a theme park dream come true. Uh, yeah, but anyway, the earthquake ride made me really think that we'd have a lot of fun with this. So I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about it, even if the movie is just so-so. I would also not recommend it. Yeah. Uh, I think you said the same. It's, I, it, there's like some fun to be had here. I mean, it's available for free pretty easily. Right. So it's not like... <laughs> Given that we're all under quarantine, maybe it's a little looser. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a quarantine soft recommend and a, and a real world not recommend. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you are in search of more stuff to listen to, you're cooped up like we all are. Hopefully everybody's keeping safe and staying in. Um I know it seems insane, but hopefully we all end up better for this. But if you need some stuff, head over to the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. We're very close to hitting that uh, that commentary track, and so that'll, that'll, we'll get that up as quickly as possible uh, if you do that. And we've got the, the, the voting open, so we can get to that. Vote for Elvira. <laughs> Stop stumping, damn it. Hey, I gotta. Um, so yeah, go check it out. Patreon.com slash Dissecting80s. We love hearing from you. Dissecting80s.com. Get us, get at us on Facebook or on Twitter. It's at Dissecting80s. If you want us to write that script, gold yes, hashtag gold yes. Uh, and you can uh, call us at 856-DISSECT. That's right. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, since I haven't done this in a while, listen up. If you're still out, if you're still listening, go review the show, you lazy bones. You, you have no excuse. You're so bored right now. You are the maximum amount of bored. You've yes, been you quarantined are. for a week. Go review the show. Go to iTunes and review it or whatever app you use and send us a screenshot if it's a different app because I don't get them sent to me automatically and I don't know where to find them. But go review the show. Stop being so lazy. You like us. Don't you like us? Don't you want us to be prosperous? Go review the show. I don't know why it works. I don't want to be mean, but this is the one that's been that's way fair. more effective. So anyway... We were supposed to do James Bond for our next episode, and I think we're probably still going to, even though they've moved the new James Bond all the way to November, because we had a different theme thing picked out for November that I don't want to change. So I think we're going to do a James Bond movie for the next one. Yeah. Uh, so Maybe. that'll be April 6th. That's, I think, the plan. But uh, check us out on social media after this episode comes out. And, you know, the week after this comes out, we'll tell you what the next episode's going to be. But, uh, you know. We're we're trying to trying to uh, figure that out because the coronavirus has directly affected our schedule, which is bonkers. Uh, but anyway, sincerely, uh, stay safe out there. Stay inside. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Stay away from the older elderly folks and the immunocompromised. And let's hope we all get through this. Our theme song is about thirty seconds long. So that is true. If you <laughs> if need you something to wash that. your hands to, yeah, that's what you do. Put on the podcast. Let it go. Like, let it run, and then when you get to there, that's when you wash your hands, because that's about the, the right amount of time you're supposed to wash your hands for, and then uh, then you're good. Yeah, exactly. So, thanks for listening to the show. We really appreciate it, and we hope you're staying safe out there. Uh, I have been Trip Leno. I will always be Andrew Leno. Until next time. Don't you forget about me.
Dissecting the 80s is a Chum Some of This production. Ow.